Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Oh, it's not any old Sunday morning. It is a happy Easter Sunday morning to all out there that uh, are celebrating Easter. And um, it's funny, we had a debate yesterday with my my in-laws and my... uh, They said... You know, I don't remember hiding eggs when we were kids. Come on. That's what we did. Do you not do that anymore? I know it's a whole church thing. You go to church and everything else. That's fine. But uh, when a kid growing up, it's like coloring Easter eggs, hiding Easter eggs, finding Easter eggs. Now, most of the people nowadays, when I say Easter eggs, you're looking for things in video games. Yeah. Well, it's all changed. Uh, Fred Hubner with you for the next 90 minutes. We got a lot to do and not a lot of time to get to it. We got Cubs and Sox talk. We've got Christian Yelich talk. We've got Albert Pujols talk. Lots of other baseball talk. Steven Nelson from the MLB Network will join us in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll talk about the Chicago Fire Big 4-1 win. But as we like to do on Sunday mornings, we like to talk baseball. Talking baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Makata drills this ball right field. The only question is which deck. It's a two-run homer. A comet on a progressive field. Folks, we're talking baseball. In the air to right center field. How about this for a homecoming? That is crushed into the second deck for Bryce Harper. And he gives those Phillies fans a chance to jump up and down one more time. This ball is K-I-L-T killed. My goodness. A chance to walk it off against Neil Ramirez here in the ninth. He gets a hard. Then it goes far. Talking Baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Wow, lots to talk about. A short period of time to do it. Welcome on in. Fred Hubner with you for the next 90 minutes, as I mentioned. Uh, White Sox fans, Cub fans, you want to talk some Sox or Cubs baseball, jump on in. 312-332-3776. You can always get to me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. And uh, it's my guy. He's my guy. I'm, t- I'm making him my guy. I'm making Chris Kamka my guy today uh, from NBC Sports Chicago. He just put out a tweet. Now, it's Easter. You're going to be with family. But if you're a baseball fan, you're going to be watching baseball. Maybe the White Sox in Detroit. Maybe the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Um, but Kamka brings up a number. He says, in three of the last seven years, a no-hitter has been thrown on April 21st. Be on the lookout today. In 2018, it was Sean Manaya of the A's. In 2016, it was Jake Arrieta of the Cubs. In 2012, I remember driving around in uh, the Schomburg area when Philip Umber of the White Sox threw the perfect game against Seattle. So keep an eye out. Three of the last seven years, there's been no hitters. The White Sox have not played for a little while. We will get to them in just a second. They do have a game scheduled today. It may a little bit of a change in their starting rotation for the game today. A change I think is good. The Cubs made a change in their rotation earlier in the week for this game, which I think makes no sense at all. We'll talk about that. Yesterday, it was the Cubs going against the Arizona Diamondbacks. You, Darvish, was on the hill. Now, Darvish had a nice outing in his previous outing. Five and two-thirds, four hits, two runs. He walked four and struck out eight. Yesterday, he goes against the Diamondbacks, gives up not one but two home runs in the first inning. Settled down a little bit, gives up three runs over five. Five hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. Uh, the Cubs couldn't do anything offensively yesterday. They lose by a final of six to nothing. 
and uh, they're going to go and try to get back to the 500 record where they are 9 and 10. And they've got Robbie Ray going for the Diamondbacks today against Tyler Chatwood for the Cubs. I didn't mean to ruin everybody's Easter saying that Tyler Chatwood's starting today. But he is. It's a fact. They've decided that Tyler Chatwood would start. Now, before yesterday's outing by you Darvish, the Cubs starters had been very, very good. In the three straight games, Quintana, seven innings, no runs, six hits, seven strikeouts. Hamels, seven innings, no runs, three hits, eight strikeouts. Hendricks, seven innings, no runs, three hits, and 11 strikeouts. As a matter of fact, the runs that Darvish gave up in the first inning yesterday were the first runs given up by a Cubs starter since you Darvish uh, last Monday, this past Monday. He gave up runs to Miami. So, um, you look at it. Quintana pitched Tuesday, okay? So, that's Tuesday he pitches. Then there's a Wednesday. Then there's an off day Thursday. That's two days. Then Hendricks pitches on Friday. That's three days rest. Then you had Darvish pitch yesterday. That's four days rest. Jose Quintana should be pitching today. But they've decided to throw Tyler Chatwood and move it around. Now, you don't need to move it around. You could have had Quintana go today and then Hamels, Hendricks, and Darvish against the Dodgers. They said, well, we, you know, maybe we don't want to have Darvish pitch against, you know, his former team and the Dodgers are hitting the ball and maybe the fragile, oh, they didn't say this. I'm saying it. Maybe the fragile you Darvish shouldn't go against his, his old team. No, you know what you do? You throw Quintana against Arizona to get a win. Because of Quintana, who's pitching really well, his both of his last two outings, why would you make this change and Let's be honest. You have a better chance of beating Arizona than you do the Dodgers, no matter who's pitching. So why not throw your better pitcher? Get the two out of three. I know the meatloaf wins is not what Theo wants to hear. I know the Cub fans don't want to hear just two out of three. But when you split the first two, you want to get the third victory. Wouldn't you feel a lot better with Jose Quintana on the hill today as opposed to Darvish? Don't worry about Darvish going against the Dodgers. It's amazing that you have to worry about the psyche of your starting pitcher that he may not be able to go on out there and, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for him to pitch against his teammates that he played for two years ago. That's ridiculous. You shouldn't have to deal with Tyler Chatwood out there. Now, if Tyler Chatwood goes out, gives you a good five innings, and your bullpen steps up, and by the way, the bullpen has been really good, a 180 ERA over the last 11 games, Ciszek, five consecutive scoreless outings, Kinsler, with uh, just one hit allowed in the last four outings, that's all good. You can go to the bullpen. Maybe Tyler Chatwood can get it for you. But what would you bet on? Would you bet on Quintana pitching well against Arizona or Chatwood pitching well against Arizona? It'll be a day where you'll sit and enjoy, and at the end of the day, you'll say, well, the Cubs got away with one, Chatwood pitched well, or the Cubs screwed up and had it should have had Quintana on the hill against an Arizona offense. So we'll see what happens with that later on today. Uh, John Lester threw a simulated game yesterday. That was the good news coming from Wrigley Field. The not-so-good news, Brendan Morrow. Uh, he had a slight setback in his uh, rehab, and... Uh, he is going to be shut down temporarily. Well, that's never a good thing. You're shutting down your guy that was supposed to be your closer, and uh, it rolls on. It continues. The three moves that Theo made last year, bringing in Morrow and Chatwood and Darvish, ah, just not working so far. Uh, so Morrow, who knows when he will pitch for the Cubs this year, if he will pitch for the Cubs. So... The Cubs are not in dire straits. They're 9-10. and 10. They need to get Chris Bryant hitting the ball because he's definitely not hitting the ball as of yet. He is not. He doesn't seem to be concerned. He's got a two thirty nine average, three forty nine on base, and a three eighty slug. He's got one homer this year. Hit that on opening day. Has not hit one since. So he has not homered in the last 18 games. So we'll see what happens later on today. Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks out at the friendly confines. Robbie Ray, Tyler Chatwood going at it uh, again. Remember, this was a Jose Quintana scheduled. He should have started today. He should be starting. He's sitting out there waiting. And then, believe it or not, the Cubs didn't have a day off on Monday. So 
Quintana will get even another day rest, which probably isn't good for your starters to have that many days off. But hey, who am I? I'm just a talk show guy. I don't know all the analytics. I don't know all the stats that the Cubs have. And I don't know how they have to massage the psyche of one you Darvish. So we'll see what happens. Didn't work great for you yesterday. Uh, didn't give up a lot of runs. A lot of times pitchers will give up three and five innings and still get a victory. They didn't do that yesterday. Now let's go to the White Sox. We'll get the bat flips in a second. The last time the White Sox were on the field was Friday night. And uh, some good things happened for the White Sox in this game, including this. Moncada drives it to center. Jones is back at the warning track. This is into the shrubbery. Oh, my God. Gosh, that thing was demolished. That's got to be 460, 470 feet. I mean, it's 420 to straightaway center. Then you look at a row of hedges and you think, okay, maybe it'll come down there. It didn't. It went over that. Then you look at the second row of hedges. Well, maybe it'll come down there. It didn't. It went over that. Moncada gets every stitch of this baseball. I don't know if you can hit it too much harder to straightaway center field, but this is a blast. Jones can only look up, and that one almost hit the Chevy sign. Almost at Comerica Park, Yohan Moncada, they came, they headed at 458 feet for Yohan Moncada. Um, really nice. And talk about a guy that has stepped up his game. And we were waiting for Moncada last year to perform. He didn't do it very well. They moved him to third base, a 458 foot homer. He's hitting 321. 361 on base and a 628 slug. He's got six home runs, six doubles, 18 RBIs for Yohan Moncada. He was actually told yesterday, or yesterday, Timmy Anderson said that, hey, Moncada, 458, he should have flipped his bat. Moncada said, well, you know what? That's just not my style. Uh, it's not the style of the other guy in the White Sox, their big first baseman, DH, who had a nice game on Friday night. One ball, two strikes. Jose rocks it down the left field line. That is a fair ball to the cavernous corner. Here comes Garcia. Moncada's following him. And he will score without a throw. Jose Abreu drives in two more. It's the Sox by a nickel. Just a matter of time for Jose until he really starts to heat it up. He's hit the ball hard three times today. He has a couple of hits, two driven in to show for it. And he's got 12 for the year. 12 for the year, but you'd expect a little bit more out of uh, Jose Abreu right now. Three homers, 12 RBIs. He is hitting just 189, a 274 on base and a 365 slug. He started the first week really hot, has struggled ever since. But once Jose Abreu starts playing, the uh, White Sox should move up just a tad. The White Sox right now find themselves in a fourth place in the American League Central. They are 8-11, and 11, three and a half back of the Minnesota Twins. That's right. Uh, we'll look when uh, Stephen Nelson joins us. We'll take a look at the standings, some surprises when you look around the standings in Major League Baseball. Those highlights all courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. So the White Sox, they wrap up their series. Irvin Santana was scheduled to go yesterday for the White Sox. That game was rained out. So what the White Sox did was they moved Ronaldo Lopez into pitch today uh, on his four days rest. He'll go against Daniel Norris. Norris has been in the bullpen for the Tigers. He comes out of the bullpen to make the start uh, against the White Sox today. And we'll see how the Sox do. 8-11 and 11 record. And uh, then they go to Baltimore after this. The um, rotation has been set. Manny Benuelos getting a start as Lucas Giolito is out for a little while. He'll probably miss one or two starts after feeling a uh, hamstring problem uh, in his previous start. Then Ivan Nova and Irvin Santana will get a start on Wednesday against the Baltimore Orioles. Now... I did say we would get back to bat flips because bat flips has been a big uh, story uh, throughout the course of the week. Oh, by the before we do, I wanted to mention uh, Carlos Rodon, a really nice outing on Friday. We didn't talk much about it yesterday when I was here with Murph, Murph and Fred every Saturday, 9 to noon here on ESPN 1000. Um, Rodon, six and a third, giving up a run, three hits, three walks, six strikeouts. And it seems like all everybody wanted to talk about was, hey, it's really cold and he's not wearing a long sleeve shirt. Oh, my God. Really? He's a pitcher. He goes to the hill. Even Steve Stone said on the broadcast, you know, once you start throwing the ball, you don't feel the temperature. In between innings, you put a jacket on. It's really simple. Uh, hopefully it's not nearly as hot or as warm. 
cold today at Comerica. Probably going to be in the 60s. It'd be nice to see if they get this one in. Um, bat flips. It's been a big story. Earlier in the week, Timmy Anderson hitting a home run. He turns towards his dugout, throws the bat towards the White Sox dugout, and uh, rounds the bases. Apparently, when he got to home plate, he said something probably to Maldonado, the catcher for Kansas City. Next time up, he gets hit in the buttocks. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of the younger fans, and I know Jason Panetti went off saying, uh, you know, he's hitting him, now the benches have to empty, and all this kind of stuff. I just want to tell you, no matter what you think, if a pitcher thinks he's being shown up, the pitcher, the next time, is probably going to hit the guy. And where Keller hit Tim Anderson, I thought Tim Anderson should have maybe looked at the pitcher, shook his head and went to first base. Instead, Maldonado got in front of him, benches emptied, and then there were suspensions basically based on what Tim Anderson yelled out to Brad Keller when all this was going on and the benches emptied and everything else. The day after that, uh, Joe Madden was asked about bad flips. Actually, I think it was the same day because it was a sack split in the afternoon noon game. Listen to what Joe Madden said on bad flips, and then we'll get your spin if you want to jump in. 312-332-3776. And I definitely have a spin on that. You know that. But here's Joe Madden talking about bad flips in Major League Baseball. Uh, for me, I would prefer our guys didn't do that. I would prefer that our guys would act as though they're going to do it again. I would prefer that... Uh, the generation, uh, the younger group right now doesn't need to see demonstrations like that in order to feel like they have they can watch baseball. Or that baseball is more interesting because somebody bat flips really well. And I kind of dig it because if I watch them, I might see a bat flip. Um, I would prefer that you know kids watch baseball because it's a very interesting game. It's uh, uh, intellectually stimulating. When it's played properly, it's never too long. I prefer kids learn that method as opposed to become enamored with their game based on histrionics. I, I really would prefer that. But it seems to be that um, we are uh, catering to that a bit. And so I, I prefer it not being a part of it. Um, and last point, I think when, it, when somebody chooses to do that and somebody gets hit in the butt because of it, that's what you're looking at. So uh, regardless if you're old or, old, old or new school, if you're a pitcher, I think you're going to be offended by that. And you saw Maldonado's um, uh, reaction also. So, again, act like you're going to do it again would be the way I prefer the method. I prefer that with our guys. I know that I want to believe that we're not going to do that, but it may happen here too. And then we're just going to have to we wait and see how the uh, other team reacts. And that was Joe Madden talking about the bad flips. And he went into depth about a lot of different things there. He said he preferred that they didn't do it, uh, that they show that they're planning on doing it again, act like you're going to do it again. And he also talked about baseball. He said, if this is what's going to bring people to the game because guys are celebrating their bad flips, he would rather they come to baseball because it's an intellectually stimulating game. Uh, and the games are not too long when they are played well. <laughs> So often the games are not played well, and then they appear to be too long, even for me, a guy that loves the game of baseball. Um, but Madden, I thought, had some interesting comments. It's always going to be this way. You're never going to get everybody on one side. You're going to get people that dislike the bat flips, act like you've been there before. As I mentioned, when Moncada hit the 458-foot homer yesterday in the dugouts and in the clubhouse when the game was rained out, Sox reporters talked to Timmy Anderson. Anderson said Moncada should have flipped his bat. 458 feet, flipped the bat. And Moncada said, again, his quote, that's not my style. And uh, there's a lot of players who that's not their style. I haven't seen Jose Abreu flip the bat. I haven't seen a lot of guys flip their bats. That I have seen other guys. The whole thing with uh, Anderson, uh, Timmy Anderson's off to a red-hot start. Timmy Anderson is hitting 422. He was suspended for the last game. Okay, so he did not play on Friday night. Lyra Garcia played shortstop. But Tim Anderson is hitting 422. He has four homers. He has 12 RBIs, um, seven stolen bases. Tim Anderson, who... The first half of last season was miserable. It is playing very, very well this year. And he's darned excited about playing well. 
Now, Randall Gritchick is a guy who just signed a new deal, an extension with Toronto, and he tweeted the other day about bad flips and said, act like you've been done it before and all this kind of stuff. And Tim Anderson went back to him and all that. It was interesting to me that Gritchick actually hit a home run after that. I, longtime baseball guy, may surprise you. I don't have a problem with the bat flip. Now, I don't know what Tim Anderson said when he crossed the plate to Maldonado. I know that the announcers for Kansas City said that this is not a first-time thing. Um, this has happened in the past. Kansas City Royals, they are not big fans of Tim Anderson. But when you see a guy like Tim Anderson, what he's able to do so far this year, and I want to double-check before I actually got to it, but Tim Anderson this year is is hitting so well. Regular season stats, as I bring it up on MLB.com, Tim Anderson is leading... Not just the American League. He's leading all of baseball with a 422 average. Tim Anderson's having a great breakout season. The last thing I want to do is stifle a guy like Tim Anderson. Okay? He threw the bat towards the Sox dugout. He didn't flip it towards the Royals dugout. He didn't stand there. and Well, everybody stands and watches their home runs nowadays. Um, Derek Dietrich did it a week or so ago um, for Cincinnati. Uh, it happens. But when you hit a ball as far as that, I don't necessarily have a problem. But if you hit a ball like that and it doesn't get out of the ballpark, uh, a la Manny Machado in the World Series, then you got yourself a bit of a problem. So I'm I'm not a pro- I don't have a problem with the bad flips. I'll be eager to see what Tim Anderson does the next time he gets a hold of one and hits one out of the park. Uh, I don't think he'll stop, um, and he probably shouldn't. But don't. Try, don't show up to pitcher. Celebrate your own home run. Don't show up to pitcher. Don't show up to catcher. Don't show up to the other team. You show up to the other team, or if they think you're showing them up, be expecting to get one in the backside. Now, if it comes in high and tight under your chin, at your helmet, at somewhere like that, then you got a big problem. Not only, I mean, all of baseball will be a big problem. But it happens. It's happened in baseball as long as baseball has been played, and it's going to happen as long as baseball is played. 312-332-3776. Let's go to Rolling Meadows and John. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, John. Hey, you know, I was just telling your producer, I don't have a problem with the bat flip if it's a walk-off home run or something like that. Um, one of my teammates... Uh, didn't flip his bat, but he was clapping his hands, walking down the, you know, trotting down the first when he hit one out. And, you know, I was telling my teammates, you know what, he's going to get hit. And my teammates are like, why? He didn't do anything. I said he's clapping his hands and making a fist and rah-rahing, running down the first. I mean, and I saw the pitcher looking at him. So, but no, I mean, a bat flip is cool if it's a game-winning home run or something or something. If he hits a majestic home run, flip the bat, but don't flip it like you're trying to show anybody up. Just flip it like you you enjoyed that shot. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people, and we appreciate the call as always, John, a lot of people were a little upset because it was a second-inning home run. It wasn't anything, but I think at the time it gave the White Sox a lead. But I think Tim Anderson is, he's having fun playing the game. And let's be honest, it's a game. You're supposed to have fun. As long as you're celebrating what you're doing on the field and not showing anybody up. Now, look at Javi Baez. For the longest time, I thought Javi was a little over the top. Javi Baez is probably one of the most exciting players, if not the most exciting player in all of baseball. And he does things. He did something yesterday. There was a hit. I think it was yesterday. Yesterday or Friday. There was a hit to the outfield. Javi Baez got the cutoff throw in the middle of the infield. Instead of looking to third base, he threw to first base and got the guy out. Javi Baez is a smart player. He's a very, very good player. He does stand in home plate sometimes when he hits the ball. Um, he doesn't do major bat flips, but Javi makes the game exciting. Javi brings people to the game, and that's what Major League Baseball needs. But um, just remember, if you if the pitcher or anybody on the opposition thinks you're showing them up, expect to get one in the backside because it's going to happen, and you're not going to stop it no matter how many times you think it's childish. 
Okay? That's the way baseball is. It's going to stay that way. It's always going to stay that way. we got a lot more baseball talk. We're talking baseball. We do it every Sunday. Don't forget, Stephen Nelson, the MLB Network, will join me around 11 o'clock here until 1130, leading you right up to the Celtics and the Pacers as NBA playoff action happens right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Looks like a really nice day. Supposed to be 70 tomorrow. And, of course, the Cubs are off. It's an off day. 70 degrees. Cubs players can all enjoy themselves tomorrow. Doing whatever they'd like to do because it will. they'd have the entire day off to do whatever. The White, the White Sox wrapping up their uh, rain-shortened series in Detroit today. They are at Baltimore tomorrow um, for the first of a three-game set. A lot of off days early in the season. I can understand, but, you know, they're thinking, well, you know, if, if it rains, we can play another day and we can do this. And I don't know. I, the off days early screw you up, and then all of a sudden you're playing 21 days in a row. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So the Cubs will have uh, Chatwood going today against Robbie Ray and the Diamondbacks at 120. White Sox have Ronaldo Lopez going instead of Irvin Santana today as they try to win again against the Detroit Tigers. That is uh, game three of a four-game series. Um which the other game will be part of a day-night doubleheader coming up August 6th after the rainout. Um, in baseball yesterday, there were some other things happening that were pretty darn interesting. Ricky Renteria, by the way, Friday, he was suspended, along with Tim Anderson, went back and watched the game in the hotel room. Renteria said afterwards, that uh, talked about watching the game on TV. He said, watching it from that perspective, everything works so slow. So even Renteria, a manager, a former player in baseball, and a manager now says everything works so slow. Gosh, now I know why people get so upset and they yell and scream and holler. But then I go, gosh, I wish people had my seat from the dugout and they see how fast it actually moves. In baseball, when they're making moves of the outfield, they're worried about throwing the first base. They're worried about who they're going to have up and when to get a guy up, when your pitcher's going to be done. Yeah, the manager's got a lot of things out his mind at that time that's what the manager does i know people if they've listened to me they you know i i don't think managers are nearly as important they do have to manage the game they have you know call the hit and run make sure this guy knows where to play in the field all those kind of things uh but ricky renteria getting a different perspective watching friday's white Sox win from the hotel room he'll be back in the bench today as the Sox are back with their game at comerica but last night, there was some special stuff happening. I'm sorry, Cub fans, but this is special right now. Some special things happening up in Miller Park. Stop what you're doing when this man's at the plates. Long run for Pollock. He's at the track. Bye-bye baseball. Christian Yelich has done it again. His 12th home run of the season. A record-setting 12th home run in the opening month. Hit in the air to right and deep. Get off. Get I will say this for you, partner. You've got the home run ball for Yellow's down pat. <laughs> You've got a lot of practice. Highlights courtesy MLB.com as they use TV and radio highlights from the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast there. Christian Yelich yesterday with two more home runs. Christian Yelich now has 13 home runs so far this season. That's right, 13 home runs. This week, Christian Yelich, 10 for 26. Um... With eight home runs and 16 RBIs. That's this week is what he's done. All 13 of his home runs this year have been at Miller Park. He has no homers on the road. His home numbers, 13 games, 13 homers, 29 RBIs. His slash line is 435, 542, and 1.326 for his slug. On the road, nine games, uh, no homers, two RBIs. He's hitting 270. But all 13 have been at home. The last five players whose first 12 home runs of the season were at home from 1980 till now, 87. Phil Bradley, former Mariner, 
um, his first 12. Don Mattingly in 89, the Yankee. Kelly Gruber from the Blue Jays in 1990. Dante Bichette, ooh, a name from the past. Bo Bichette's in the minors now. His kid, what a heck of a player. 1995, his first 17 were all at home. And now Christian Yelich, his first 12 so far at home. Other numbers here. Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez with 14, Christian Yelich 13, in uh, and it's April 20th. The most home runs ever before May 1st. That's what it is. Rodriguez and Pujols with 14, Yelich 13. The most by May 1st, it's April 21st. He has 13 home runs. Okay? Unbelievable numbers for Christian Yelich. Now, I wasn't going to bring this up, and I had completely forgotten about this. But I was sitting right here in the studios a year and a half ago. It was December 30th. Most of those full-timers had the day off, whatever. I don't know if it was a weekend or not. And um, around the holidays, I get to do a lot of shows as a part-timer. So December 30th of 2017, I put a poll out there. And I said, hey, Cub fans... Would you trade Albert Almora and Ian Happ to Miami for outfielder Christian Yelich? And I got a good share, you know, kind of a lot of votes. Not as many as I usually get or as Sylvia and Waddle get during the day and things like that. But I got about 700, 800 votes. It's a lot. 55% of those voting said no, they would not trade Albert Almora and Ian Happ to Miami for Christian Yelich. Some of the responses is from David. And I'll mention his name because David's had a a lot of fun with this the last couple days. He says, could I have been more wrong? David said, only fans who don't actually watch the games would be in favor of this trade. Almora has been stellar and Hap is going to be a star. Yelich isn't going to make the Cubs better by giving up those two players for him. So why risk it? Um, Another guy said, Yelich would lead off. Hap doesn't even have a spot in the field. It would 100% make the Cubs better. So Austin with a good one. And then David got back. He said, listen, Hap can play infield and outfield. He's the fastest guy in the team, which translates to the outfield. Also has a ton of power and proved his worth in the rookie year. I don't believe the Cubs are any better by adding Yelich without Elmore and Hap. Just that, you know, then keeping those two. I'm not bringing this up to criticize David or any Cubs fans. I'm just bringing this up to show how everybody loves their guys. If you're a fan of a team, you love your guys. Oh, the Bulls, we can't trade Luol Dang. No, that can't happen. We got to keep him. He's our guy. Cub fans, we can't trade Elmore and Hap. They were both first-round draft picks. For a guy like Christian Yelich, listen, Christian Yelich, what he's doing now, he was supposed to be a star earlier than this. And down in Miami, he was really good. Um but it's interesting that I actually came up with this. I was probably grabbing, reaching, reaching for the stars, reaching for something on um, you know the day before the end of the year, the day before New Year's Eve uh, in 2017. So I just thought it was interesting. Thanks to the guy also that found it and put it up on Twitter. So I was able to uh, bring that back. Uh, kind of interesting, at least I thought. Another big highlight from last night. This is a guy, he signed from St. Louis to the Angels. And basically, we know Mike Trout, best player in the game. Christian Yelich, probably number two right now. But Mike Trout, best player in the game. We almost never see Mike Trout. He's in Anaheim. We don't see those games. They're not on network TV much. You know, we see him in a commercial here and there. But yesterday, a special night for Albert Pujols. 2-2. Pulled down the left field line, a base hit, if not more. Andrew and Simmons racing toward third. Mike Gallego's going to wave him home. Here comes Simba. RBI double for Albert Pujols. As the Angels get on the board, it's 2-1 to Seattle. Very special RBI tying Babe Ruth, the fifth on the all-time list as far as RBIs. Knows how special that is. 1,992 RBIs. There's 1-1. Albert drills one out to deep left center field. He's going to watch this one go. Big fly for Albert Pujols, and the Angels are down one. And with that home run, the RBI, Albert Pujols now passes Babe Ruth. 
on the all-time RBI's list. Officially kept since 1920. This one behind Lou Gehrig. Yep, that was interesting. That was exciting. That was Albert Pujols. Did you hear at the end when he hit it? He knew it was gone. He stood and watched it. I don't think there's going to be, and I don't think they're going to hit Albert Pujols next time up because again, he passes Babe Ruth for fifth on the all-time RBI list. Next up is Lou Gehrig. That's some pretty high um, stuff there. Um, Albert Pujols. A guy that when the when he signed his ten year deal, I said this is ridiculous. He's never going to play all that time. He had a foot problem, didn't play for a couple of years. But Albert Pujols can still hit the ball out of the park, and that's some nice stuff to see for a guy like Albert Pujols. Quickly, a couple of things I wanted to throw out there that may or may not interest you, but they got to me. John Chomby the other day, ESPN on a national broadcast, he was talking about exit velocity on balls hit. And people wonder about, well, exit velocity. What's the difference? You had a line drive. Who cares if it's 106 miles per hour, 108 miles per hour? John Shambi on a broadcast the other day said, if you hit the ball 110 miles an hour or greater as exit velocity, people that do that, their average is 750. So obviously, the harder you hit the ball, the better success you're going to have. I thought that was an interesting stat. The Philadelphia Phillies and the Nationals had a game on Friday night. 25 hits, 27 strikeouts. That's baseball as we know it nowadays. Phillies, by the way, in that game, they left 19 runners on base. They were 1 for 16 with runners in scoring position. So the next time the White Sox or the Cubs are 1 for 6, 1 for 7, 1 for 8, just remember, the Philadelphia Phillies, 1 for 16 with runners in scoring position. And Joey Votto did something the other day. We'll probably get to that in the next half hour. Couldn't believe that this happened for Joey Votto the other day, one of the better players in the game of baseball. We come back, soccer fans, it was a gorgeous day at SeatGeek Stadium out uh, for the Chicago Fire yesterday. I was out there for the second half after I worked with Murph yesterday morning, and uh, I was out there for the good half. We'll talk about that when we come back. And don't forget, Stephen Nelson from the MLB Network joins me at 11 o'clock. Fred Eubner with you right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Uh, welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you till 11.30. Then we go to basketball. The NBA playoffs continue. We've got Celtics Pacers coming up. But today we'll go to the uh, pregame at around 11.30 here on ESPN 1000. Um, Steven Nelson from the MLB Network will join us uh, top of the hour. Lots to talk about in Major League Baseball. A couple other numbers really quick. I may throw some of these out with uh, Steven also. But uh, yesterday there were 57 home runs hit in the major leagues 11 by the minnesota twins now they played a doubleheader but still 11 home runs not too bad that's it just goes to show you how the ball's flying out of the yard again and uh we talked about christian yelich's 13 home runs um just absolutely amazing how the ball's flying out and a guy that hits a lot of homers in his time has been joey Votto. joey Votto did something this week which uh was amazing Joey Votto at the plate, left-handed hitter, uh, pops up. He hits a pop-up. First baseman under it, he grabs it. And with that, it was the first time Joey Votto popped up to first base in 6,829 plate appearances. He had never popped up to first base. He didn't. I said, what? How could that be? How could he have not popped up to first base, Joey Votto? How could that, how could that happen for a guy that hits you know, left-handed. How many times do you see right-handed hitters pop the ball up to, you know, um, to third base all the time? But for Joey Votto, I'm looking here now. He has, now he has 6,838 plate appearances. But uh, the other day, first time in his major league career, he hit a pop-up to first base. Baseball. It's a funny game. Joe Gargiola did a book on that years ago. Even It was even before my time. Can you believe it? That there was something actually almost before my time. The Chicago Fire continuing their season yesterday at SeatGeek Stadium. And uh, they were playing the Colorado Rapids. Now, the Rapids had given up 19 goals in their first eight games. So the Fire go, well, we should be scoring some goals. There's no doubt we should be scoring some goals. And yesterday, 
the Chicago Fire did score goals. Highlights courtesy ESPN Plus. My guy Dan Kelly and Frank Klopas. Second start this afternoon for Nico Gaetan. Starting to see more from number 20. Nikolic. Back in the goal. Nemanja Nikolic has scored in three straight. And the Chicago Fire grabbed the early lead. Gaetan more involved in the game. And he gets the ball out wide. Does a tremendous job just to protect the ball. And look at that ball in there. Opara has no... Loses Nikolic as he peels off the back shoulder, and it's just a tremendous, tremendous ball there from Nico Gaetan. Failhaber and Gaetan sparring in the midfield. Gaetan and the fire come away with it. Katai sneaking in. Alexander Katai, Sapong, and the fire grab the lead again, and the CJ Sapong revival tour continues. Flips it through. CJ Sapong gets a second crack. There goes Gaetan. Mihalovic. Chicago Fire. Lead 3-1. A thing of beauty there. But that all started for me. That initial first pass by Mihalovic. And if it's a better touch by CJ Sapong, he's through. But in the end, it all works out. And it's great to see Mihalovic get it in the end of that one. Skipping forward, Alexander Katai makes the cut. Katai lets it fly! Alexander Katai has just scored his first goal of the season. Well, let's just hope the floodgates open now, because you know it was bound to happen. And you know when he scores, he scores brilliant goals, great goals, just like this one. He cuts inside, and what a fantastic finish. Nothing even the great goalkeeper like Tim Hart can do about that. Just bends it into the back corner. That was Frank Klopas along with Dan Kelly, ESPN Plus, as the Chicago Fire score a 4-1 win yesterday over the Colorado Rapids. Did I say Avalanche before? I may have. Uh, the Colorado Rapids and... Uh, Nikolic with a goal, C.J. Sapong with a goal, uh, Georgie Mihalovic with a goal. And you heard in the highlights there, Nico Gaetan was mentioned in all of them. This is a guy that the fire picked up. It had been rumored they were going to get him. He came in uh, off the bench two games ago. He has started two games now in a row, and he is finally he's fitting in. He's getting the ball to the goal scorers and doing what a number 10 in soccer is supposed to do, distribute the ball, make sure that the guys that can put the ball in the net are getting it. Nico Gaetan, very, very good. Uh, the the defense was good. They got, allowed one goal, and that was on a corner kick as Kai Kamara, one of the uh, top five goal scorers in the history of Major League Soccer, put one past David Osted. But it was nice to see the fire getting a big win. They now have a three-game road trip coming up. You can catch the games on ESPN+. Plus. They are at New York City FC on Wednesday night, 545 pregame, a 6 o'clock start on ESPN+. Plus. Also in Montreal next Sunday, a week from today at Montreal. And then they take on LAFC Bob Bradley, the former head coach of the Chicago Fire when the team began back in the 90s. And um, that'll be Saturday uh, May 4th, their next home match at SeatGeek Stadium Wednesday, May 8th against New England. We come back, more baseball talk. Steven Nelson of MLB Network joins me here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cuts win. Cuts win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaves. Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. We're going to NBA playoff basketball. Bottom of the hour, Celtics and the Pacers. That'll be followed up by the Warriors and the Clippers. Then Sunday night baseball. It's a busy, busy day here on ESPN 1000. By the way, the Cubs have made a move. Uh, no, no, no. They they did not bring in uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, they were called Alec Mills. 
and uh, Randy Rosario is going down to Iowa. The Cubs send Tyler Chatwood against Robbie Ray today in the Diamondbacks. That one gets underway at around 120. White Sox, after a rain out, they send Ronaldo Lopez as they push Irvin Santana to next week in Baltimore. Uh, so it'll be Ronaldo Lopez against Daniel Norris and uh, the Tigers. That one gets underway at around 12 o'clock. Um, if you watch the MLB Network, if you're a baseball fan and you don't watch the MLB Network, shame on you. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, I miss this because, you know, bat flips have been a big story and everything. And I missed this till I saw this on Twitter. And um, Stephen Nelson, who's going to join us in a minute, along with Kevin Millar, who's out of his mind crazy, um, they were discussing bat flips the other day. And what do you want to see? I want to see a bat flip, and then I want to see a handstand at home. Oh! 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 Now what? What's you the line? You did it! What's the line, though? I mean, I mean, is that over the line? Oh, uh... Is that over the line? Uh, Wait, let me do a handstand. Mr. Pitcher, I'm sorry. Line? I hit... A, I'm sorry. Is that okay? I, should, should, let should, them should, play! Should I put the bat right here? Whoa! Whoa! I, Whoa. Do I run this way? Oh, I'm sorry. No, what's the line? Uh, okay, I'll go around the bases quick. Oh, it's my brand. Look at my brand, people. That was on MLB Network as we bring in uh, Stephen Nelson from the MLB Network. Uh, Stephen, one of my favorite comedians who unfortunately passed away, he had a line, how do you feel about frilly toothpicks? And he said, I'm for them. So as we go into you, and I appreciate you for jumping on, how do you feel about bat flips? I am very much for frilly toothpicks. Okay, correct. there you go. Did I, answer the, did I answer the question correctly? No, I, I am... I am pro bat flip. I am. I let me just. I'll put it this way. I'm not anti bat flip, but after having conversations with our analysts, um, like Kev, who is the best, um, and listening to Mark DeRosa, who you guys know and love, yeah, um, and, and Bill Ripken and Al Leiter, I, I understand the perspective of former players. They just want to know now where is the line. Because there was a line when they were playing, and now they are for all the fun and energy and emotion and personality that these young players are bringing to the game. Fun, personality, and energy that the game needs, quite frankly, in my opinion. But they they have those unwritten rules, right? Yeah. That is something that they, that they grew up with, and they have a, a tremendous amount of respect for. Now, for me... The Tim Anderson situation, some people, including the Royals, clearly took that as disrespectful. It was over the line. I interpreted it as a player who was trying to fire up his squad. He was looking at his dugout. He threw the bat toward his dugout. He didn't look at Martin Maldonado. He didn't look at Brad Keller. And he went around the bases. And he's a little bit more demonstrative than a guy like Randall Gritchick, who tweeted out he took exception to it. Act like you've been there one time. And I believe that guys should act like themselves, be themselves unapologetically. And if Tim Anderson threw the bat at Brad Keller, hit him with a DX chop, (laughs) you know what I mean, and stared at him for 10 seconds, then it's a different conversation for me. But he didn't do that. So I think that you should be you. The game needs that. And Tim Anderson said afterwards, I'm going to keep being me. And I appreciate that about T.A. I think the game needs more of it. Well, and also you look at it today as the day starts on Sunday here on an Easter Sunday. And Tim Anderson's leading not only the American League, but all of baseball and batting average. I know it's a stat nobody cares about anymore, but I'm, I'll be 62 in May. So, you know, I care when a guy's hitting 422. Uh, and so it counts a little bit to me. And uh, last year, I was the guy sitting here criticizing Tim Anderson because he wasn't hitting. Uh, he he was fielding poorly. Then he makes three errors in the first four games this year, and they were all throwing errors. But you know what? He's excited. He's hitting the ball. He's helping his team play exciting baseball. And they got a young squad that's fun to watch, which is which you can't often say <laughs> the last couple of years with the White Sox. Yeah. And you know, with Moncada Fred, and Eloy Jimenez, I I think it's fun. Fred, I'm I'm with you. And then, you know what? To, to, not to belabor the point on the bat list, but that's, that was a, lot, a big rebuttal to Tim Anderson. It's like, oh, he's a career 270 hitter coming into this year. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. If you start getting into trying to regulate and dictate like who, when, and why they can celebrate being successful at their job, it's an impossible task. And quite frankly, it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And 
people are like, well, it's a meaning, meaningless game in April against the Royals. Well, last year we saw two game 163s decide spots in the postseason. So you tell me that there's such thing as a meaningless game. Because, yeah, people are going to focus on a blown loss in September. What about the game in April that they could have and should have had? Every game is meaningful. Every home run is meaningful. Every, every run score, scored excuse me, is meaningful, in, in my opinion. So that was another thing uh, that, you, that you, you constantly hear with the bat flips. But to your point about Tim Anderson and Yohan Moncada, you know, growing up a, a Sox fan myself, you know, I'm – uh, a natural pessimist, <laughs> if I'm just being honest. <laughs> sure. And so there was so much excitement around this franchise going into this year because of the young core and the prospects coming up. And I'm like, yeah, but can we see it first? Can we see it? Can we see a guy have his OBP just be 10 points above a batting average just one time? Yeah. You know, that, then I'd feel then I'd feel better about it. And we are seeing that. We're seeing that finally. And a ton of our analysts were sent was saying, hey, hey, watch out for Yohan Moncada. I was like, yeah, but it's strikeouts. And they're like, yeah, his strikeouts. But if you dive into it, a large percentage of that, that strikeout number came on K's looking. Right. So he wasn't up there flailing the bat. He maybe was just caught in between, didn't have his approach nailed down. And sure enough, that approach has evolved this year, and it's produced a hot start for Yohan. I mean, 321. Take that, six stingers, take that. And then Anderson, I mean, people keep waiting for him to, to cool off, and he refuses to. It's awesome. Right, and even when he does get uh, you know a hit, he's gotten three or four of those bloop singles to center, which, you know, they're not hard hit, but, hey, they all count. And uh, like we always say, they looks like line drives in uh, in the box score when, when people still look at box scores because hopefully those are still important, too, as well. We're talking with <laughs> with Stephen Nelson from uh, MLB MLB Network. And, you know, Stephen, the first time I saw you, and, and this might have been my fault because I don't watch a lot of the NHL I don't have actually on my DirecTV. I don't have the NHL package, but you do a lot of NHL stuff also. But I saw you doing uh, earlier in the off season during uh, Hot Stove. I saw you doing some shows, yeah. And um, you kept asking Ken Rosenthal every single day, "When are the White Sox going to? When are they going to announce the signing of Bryce Harper?" So I said, well, "Okay, yeah. this, I go. This guy's got to be a White Sox fan, otherwise there would be no reason for him to ask this." So how did you become yeah. a White? How did you start and grow up a White Sox fan? Well, Fred, first and foremost, I'm an idiot. That's why I ask Ken Rosenthal that question every single day. I'm the guy, when you turn on the network, you either change the channel or you hit mute. And I'm, so I'm, I'm appreciative to you, Fred, that that didn't happen. Uh, how did I become a White Sox fan? It's a good question. So my, my father and my, my dad's side of the family is all from Chicagoland. You know, he grew up in Mount Prospect and you're like, okay, well, why didn't he root for the Cubs? Yeah. Good question. My, my, grand, my grandparents. My, my uncles, my aunt, they're all Cubs fans. They all bleed Cubby blue, except for my dad. Okay. He didn't want to, he didn't want to root for a teddy bear growing up. I'm not sure. He became a, he became a Sox fan, loved going to Comiskey, experiencing games on the South side. And so me, you know, I, I followed his fandom in every single sport. So it's, you know, it's White Sox, it's Hawks, it's Bears. It's not Bulls though, because, which is weird. Um, had a, had a, traumatizing run-in with Jerry Sloan as a youngster. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) I won't drop the language on your show, Fred. Okay. And so anyways, that turn pops off from being a Bulls fan, and um, he eventually got some autographs from some guys who played for the Lakers, and so he fell in love with them, moved out to L.A. in the the early 80s, and obviously that was a fun decade uh, to root for the Lake Show. So, yeah, that is the brief synopsis of my fandom. Cool, and I know you guys do just about everything. I saw you a couple weeks ago on uh, the Strike Zone on Friday night, and I've got a couple TVs set up in the basement, and I'm watching, I don't know, the Sox or the Cubs, whoever were playing that night. You're awesome, Fred. You're (laughs) awesome, man. You had the home run counter on, and it was was going crazy. (laughs) Now, you don't do it. it, It's not on Saturday, right? It's just on Friday nights, the Strike Zone? No, it's it's during the week sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes some Tuesdays. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah I'll uh, I'll hop in. It's Matt Yaloff uh, does a, a tremendous job right. on that throughout the year as well. Uh, because yeah, last night the home run counter last night would have just broken. 
I, I saw oh. 57 homers yesterday, 11 by the Twins. It helps that they played the doubleheader, but still 11 home runs. It's amazing. And despite, you know, we talk so much about, you know, the three outcomes, the strikeout, the walk, and the home runs, it's still happening. But, you know, as long as it's happening and your team's getting the home runs and the walks, you're not going to complain too much. Yeah, it's the, the three true outcomes. That's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the era we're in now. It is. And I know you said that you you care about batting average. I care about batting average too. I care about on base percentages as, as well. And Greta walks help out with that. But it is it's becoming a little bit of a concern, right? I, I know a lot of baseball fans and purists are like, why are people always trying to change this game? Well, I mean, when you're seeing a skyrocketing high in the three true outcomes, which, by the way, walk, strikeout, home run, Right. You're, you're, and you're not seeing base hits anymore, you're, then, then you're not seeing action as much. And I think that's, that's what we need. I, want, I just want to see more, more hits, more triples. Triples is one of the most exciting plays in the game. Yep. And a home runs, it, it counts more. You actually score a run. But you can be seeing a guy run around the base pass and slide into third with a close play. Maybe we see an arm from an outfield. See a guy show off his hose? Yeah, I mean, like, th- that's that's the good stuff, and we're not seeing as many triples anymore. I mean, we're on pace for another record year with strikeouts. I, I think we could see more than 43,000 strikeouts in the big leagues. For home runs, we could see more than 6,300 home runs. That's the pace we're on right now. And we just set records last year with 41,000 strikeouts and 6,100 home runs. A little bit more than those two, but you get where I'm going. Yeah. And yeah, that's just the way the game is played now because, frankly, the game is not rewarding guys who are base hit dudes. They're rewarding Joey Gallo, who hit more home runs than singles last year. <laughs> right? They're, they're rewarding. And I, and I appreciate Joey Gallo. He's a mammoth of a human. And Chris Davis, who's hit more home runs than anybody right. in 2016. His batting average the last three years is 247, which is incredible, but it's 247. So... It's just um, evolving in a way that is causing a lot of people, including our beloved Brian Kenny, to say, well, maybe there is something that needs to change. Because now shifts are a massive part. So when you do put the ball into play, teams know your tendencies, and they're now playing to it. So almost a quarter of plate appearances feature a defensive shift now. So I'm rambling, Fred, but yeah, just the you know, hammer home the point that these three true outcomes, it doesn't appear to go be going anywhere. No, and I, it was interesting too that you bring up the shifts because I didn't even have that written down, but it jogged my memory, which is, you know, sometimes I need it at this point. But um, <laughs> you look at it and this week alone, I saw five different times where left-handed hitters hit the ball to where the shortstop would be to get base hits. And I'm saying to myself, you know, maybe they're finally figuring it out. And maybe some of these teams will not shift as much because they are they see what's happening. Certain guys are actually figuring it out. The Cubs have a couple. I mean, believe it or not, Jason Hayward's been able to do it. Rizzo's always been able to do it. And I saw... Uh, boy, it might have been Schwarber a couple weeks ago. There were two outs in the ninth inning. They were down by two. Schwarber needed to get on base. He bunted um, with two outs in the ninth inning. Now, it might have been also he's struggling, but he bunted down the third base line, and he was on first base, got on base. That's what he needed to do. Mm. So maybe some of those things are slowly but surely turning because I don't think you can actually tell a team, listen, go out and play defense, no. but you can't do this. Yeah, you can't do yeah. this to stop the guy. And I understand left-handed hitters are upset, but somewhere along the line, and I know the guys are throwing 98 miles an hour, and it's tough to hit the other way. It's tough to hit, period. But you, you got to try and do it. And uh, so maybe yeah. slowly but surely it'll happen. I know that that's always a thing, right? Everybody wants to ban the shift, ban the shift. And how are you going to do that? What, the second base can have to have two feet on the dirt. Shortstop can't be, you know, like... We're gonna have like lines. We're gonna be start drawing lines in the diamond. Sure. So where guys can and can't be, it's that's that that's a tough one. It'll be and it'll be I like that thing, I, that thing that thing in little league where the outfielders will all have to stand where the worn out patch is. Where you know here's yes, left, yes. center, and right. You've got to stand there where that worn out patch is to start the play. Yeah, I don't know if the, the baseball diamond is gonna start looking like a basketball court with like like all these lines and. 
orbs drawn drawn all over as to where guys can and can't be. No, and, and, and I know it frustrates players because fans will often shout at the TV and yell at clouds. Well, just hit it the other way. Yeah, I, these these players have had one swing for pretty much their entire lives. They've been grooving that swing, and when they're in the cages, they're trying to go the other way, trying to go the other way to get to, to set that swing in stone to get ready for the game. And you mentioned the, the filth that they're seeing, you know, 98 miles per hour with movement, 100 miles an hour with movement now. It's disgusting. How do you do that? Even the best ones, you, you stink seven times out of ten. Yep. And um, when, yeah, I, I know that frustrates them when, when they say, hey, just go the other way, drop a bunk down. No, that's, that's not what they have practiced and been trained to do their entire lives. And... I, I know people are rolling their eyes. Well, practice and train to do the other way. Well, it, it, it ain't that simple when you're standing in the box against the, the pitchers that they are these days. Yeah, all games, all games are changing, and and we'll see how the uh, the baseball continues to change. Rob Madford keeps bringing up, and and we'll see. I I've had my own things, and I'm not going to get into that. To, you know, the day the computerized Why not, Fred? the day Tell the, me. the day the computerized strike zone comes in, I'll be one of the happiest guys because the stat that I cannot stand. Well, this guy's a wonderful framer. Well, basically, he's a good at cheating. Um, in, in my opinion, I mean that's that's what that means. That means he's taking a ball and making it a strike when it really isn't. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the pitchers. And, and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz and, and Greg Maddox are just happy that, you know, the day that happens, they will just say, boy, thank goodness we're all in the Hall of Fame now. We don't have to worry about those things. Uh, Steven Nelson for another couple of minutes here on ESPN 1000. Uh, really, you sure, Fred? You yeah. sure you want to waste that much time with me? <laughs> A couple of quick hitters because there's so many great things happening in the game. Um Christian Yelich. Now, I know Cub fans hate uh, when I talk about Christian Yelich because I'm a Sox fan, and they go, you're just bringing... No, I'm bringing him up because he's doing something historic. First, 13 home runs all at home, and 13 home runs at this point of the year. Uh, it, it doesn't usually happen this way. This guy's just absolutely amazing. Your thoughts on what he's doing and what Milwaukee's doing? Remarkable. I mean, before the season, uh, you heard the term regression candidate uh-huh. for Christian Yelich. There's no way that's not going to happen sustainable. Nuh-uh. No way, no how. Well, instead, he's come out and has a, an OPS of one three three four, which is one of the <laughs> best to ever be produced by an MVP up to this point in the season. And now we're talking about, is he going to go back-to-back? You know, like, like a Bonds, or, you know, could he do, do what, what Pools did in, 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 what was it, 2009, 2010? Um, and, and you're thinking maybe. Because the guy is on another level, and he's got two less home runs than strikeouts on the year. And people are going to throw out those split stats that you mentioned. Well, he's doing all of his damage at home. Well, it's not like he's not hitting on the road. His average, I think going back to, to last summer, is still 330 away from Millet Park. Um so he's he's still doing his job, and he's just not getting as many four-baggers. But the, the, the fact remains that Christian Yelich has ascended to one of the superstars in the game. And I, I go back to a story from the World Baseball Classic a few years ago, right? You remember when the United yeah. States won that and Adam Jones catch in center field? Jim Leland was managing the, the team, and Christian Yelich was just a pup at that point. And Jim Leland, who... I mean, he's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know, was batting this kid third and said, and that's where you put your best hitter and your best player. And Leland was was saying, everybody who would listen, that Christian Yelich is the real deal. And clearly not enough people listen. And Yelich is is showing now, I'm here and I ain't going anywhere. And (laughs) if you're a Brewer Brewer fan, you are counting your lucky stars at the Marlins are dumb. Yeah. Well, and just, I wasn't going to bring this up, and we only got about a minute or two here, but uh, I I put out a tweet back on December 30th of 2017. You know, it's a day where everybody else has the the day off, and I'm doing a show, and I put out a tweet that said, hey, Cub fans, would you trade Albert Almora and Ian Happ to Miami for outfielder Christian Yelich? It came back 55% (laughs) no, because they were number one picks, they were up-and-coming guys, and why do you want a guy like Christian Yelich? You know, so things things change, and like you said with Leland, uh, real quickly, Red Sox. 
uh, and and Chris Sale mm-hmm. and their pitching staff. And Evaldi now goes on the IL, which is you know I have to make sure every time I say it. Um, but the Red Sox how, is this one of the most surprising things seeing a team that wins the you know World Series and then what's happening there and with Mookie Betts so far this season. Well, you talk about the IL, the Yankees. Another one, Aaron Judge. Yeah, thirteen is, now. Here is pretty significant. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brutal. But for the Red Sox, no, I, I keep I, I've been saying give, give you to a quarter mark of the season, and you know what? Maybe this series that we're watching right now, maybe this is a start. Right? They've been playing against the the first place Rays. You know, Tampa has been the talk of the town. They are really for real. They're not going anywhere. They added all these pieces to a ninety-one team. Well, the Red Sox have beaten them twice in a row now, and one of the wins in clutch fashion. You know, Mookie Betts, Mitch Moreland, back-to-back homers against Castillo in the eighth the other night, and Castillo hadn't given up a home run all year. Maybe these are the types uh, of wins and games that will spark them and kind of wake them out of that World Series hangover that we're, that we've seen before, frankly, from, from clubs. And with the pitching staff, certainly, Evaldi, the, the bodies and the elbow, that's a little bit of a worry. They can clean that up, but you know, they, they had light workloads in spring training, so I'm going to give them to, to the quarter mark of the season to try and get settled and for Chris Sale to actually be Chris Sale again. And the last thing, and um, like I said, the first time I saw you was on um, Hot Stove. So my question is, mm-hmm. when you're on Strike Zone and we really don't see you, basically, we just hear you all the time, what happens with the dry yeah. erase board? Uh, where's that go? I mean, that was that was one of my favorite things. when you, you know, Every time they came back from commercial, you'd have something else on the dry erase board. It, it, it's getting a rest during Strike Zone. I know there's a lot of people in the building who could not think less of that little stick or gimmick. But, yeah, on Strike Zone, it's great because you don't have to see my face, Fred. That's a win for everybody. Steven, I appreciate it. I love watching you guys. I watch I watch uh, MLB Central each and every morning. It's a fun time. Uh, keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for jumping on. Fred, thanks so much. It was an honor. Steven Nelson from the MLB Network. Thanks for listening. Sox are in Detroit. The Cubs taking on Arizona one more time. Thanks to Felix Reyes, all of his help. Thanks for listening here on ESPN 1000.